I don't know. Who cares? The point is, unless Mike Vrabel wanted to do it, it wasn't going to happen. And he wanted to do it. And so he did it. Craig Ackerman's no longer in the position. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, December the 6th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? What's new with you, my friend? I'm good. You know, uh, starting off December, we're eating good. We got the GTA 6 trailer yesterday, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I heard about that. It's it's the trailer and now 2037. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they released it? a tra- trailer to do uh, 2025. But no, I'm doing good. That came out. I was feeling high. And then Jake Browning puts on uh, the performance of a lifetime last night and beats the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was about to say, best backup um, performance of all time, which which was uh, a good sign last night. It was super fun. So good, watch. Uh, good vibe so far in, in heading into this week right now. So is question for you about your bungles is Joe Burrow a system quarterback? Is that what's happening here? Or is like, what's the, uh, I, what's you're going to have, we're going to, I'm going to have to send a couple of agents to silence you at your house. Take me we're, out. Not, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to, we're not going to answer. No, he is not. I have no, I have no thoughts of self-harm. If I disappear, you know, JT did it everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Welcome into the show. Everybody uh, on a, on a Tuesday afternoon is recording for our Wednesday show as always. Appreciate you being in here with us live today. A couple of fun things to talk about today, including when I was super wrong earlier this week. Uh, I was uh, I put I put a thought out there, and and it was a very strong take. And then, like forty two minutes later, it was proven very wrong by by uh, Mike Vrabel. So we'll talk about that. A, a decision that he made that is I was very pleased to be wrong about, to say the least. Uh, another decision that was made just about forty two minutes ago today. Another uh, person employed by the Tennessee Titans, no longer employed by the Tennessee Titans, at least for now. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about a little check-in on Will Levis, some Billy Jean's discourse today as we talk about his first five starts as an NFL quarterback and where we're at on him right now. Finish that off with a little bit of news with producer JT, as well as talking a little bit, finally just dip, just, just dipping our toes into the waters of the draft. We're just going to talk a little bit about the draft order and how that's shaking out with uh, how many, it was week 14 coming up. So we've got including week 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. We've got five weeks left. Uh, that's, that's not much football left to enjoy of regular season. That is. So uh, we'll talk about how things might shake out at the top of the draft where the Titans are likely to end up. Appreciate you all being in here with us today. Um, before we dive into things, a couple of housekeeping items, we are brought to you today, as always, by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, a fine pizza establishment here in the Middle Tennessee area. Three locations in Murfreesboro, in East Nashville, and our location, our home location in Spring Hill, Tennessee, just about 20, 25 minutes down the road, down I-65. If you live in the Nashville area, it's a great hang, whichever location you go to. Delicious pizza, delicious beer and uh, wine and uh uh, co- cocktail options all available for you at the bar a-, a fantastic selection across the board as well as great viewing opportunities for any and all sports watching that you have to do we love boom Boss and we're there live each and every thursday before thursday night football doing our live preview show of the upcoming titans game that weekend so we love hanging out doing the show there and then hanging out after the show watching thursday night football 
this week we're being subjected to uh, something that really I, I haven't checked, but I'm guessing the the Surgeon General of the United States does not recommend prolonged exposure to Patriots. What is it? Patriots uh, Steelers. Patriots Steelers. Bailey Zappi versus Maserati Mitch. Uh, it should be <laughs> should be a good time. Uh, we'll be we'll be struggling through that. Maybe making up some drinking games. If you want to come hang out with us? It's going to be a good time. So please do that. Also, if you're watching with us live today, a couple of things you can do to help us out. First, go to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's where you want to watch this live stream. If you're on Twitter or on Facebook, leave those live streams. Go to the live stream on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. You'll find this and you'll find the comment section there where you can join Wyatt and Green Thumb, who are already a part of the conversation today. We'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments on our Titans topics of today. And that's where you can join us in that discussion. Also, while you're there, hit the subscribe button. It's free to you. It's very helpful to us. We want to get the subscriber count on that channel up, up, up. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the end of this NFL season. A loftier goal, but one that I think we can hit with a little bit of help from you guys. So please help us out by doing that. Hit subscribe. Hit the bell notification button if you want to be notified of when we're going live, which is three times a week during the NFL season. All right, JT, before we dive into all things Titans today, I want to share just something that's going on in our lives. Uh, first of all, uh, completely off topic, but I wanted to share just for the people, for the culture. Uh, you know, when you have like movies that you're like, I've never watched that. I should watch that. Like it's it, but it came out seven years ago. And like, I'm, I'm just, you know, finally I'm going to sit down and do it. Like, I know it's a good movie. Everybody loves this movie, but I've never seen it. I don't think about it. That was me with Mad Max. I watched that for the first time this week. Very good movie. I enjoy. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen this film, correct? I have. Yes. Very good movie. I, what inspired it really was the trailer for Furiosa, the, the new Mad Max series movie coming out. And I was like, I want to see that, but I feel like I'm going to need to have watched Mad Max first. So I did. It was very good. I recommend going watching a movie that, again, I'm recommending a movie that's been out for seven, eight years now. I have no idea. It's been a long time. So go check that out. Also, going on in your and my lives, JT, uh, anyone that plays fantasy football is likely coming to the end of the regular season. This week, week 14, typically when fantasy football leagues come to an end. And as we all know, nobody cares about your fantasy league, right? Like, no, nobody cares. The guy that comes up to you at the bar and tries to tell you about his fantasy team, the whole time you're like, please stop talking to me. I'll do, I'll pay you to stop talking to me. Um, but this is not about our teams. This is about what I think might be a all-time record-setting, record-breaking, competitive group of teams in fantasy i'm pulling up my fantasy app right now jt because you and i both are in a couple different fantasy leagues we have a fantasy league here on the show which is coming to a pretty tight end but not as tight as our league of record our friend group that we've been doing this league with from college for a long time it is coming down to the single most competitive electric boogaloo thunderdome final countdown last week of the year for practically the entire league so here's what it looks like top to bottom for records, right? You've got the top two seeds with the buys already locked in at 10 and three and 10 and three. You got one more team locked into the playoffs at eight and four, eight, four and one, excuse me. The rest of the league, a 10, 10, 10, 10 team league. So the next seven teams, the records are six and seven, six and seven, five and eight, five and eight, five and eight, five and eight, four, eight and one. That's seven teams fighting for three spots right there. It is anybody's ball game. You look at the uh, like playoff prediction percentage calculator, and almost all of us are sitting like right at 50, 55%. It really is a you have to win or you go home pretty much for the end of the season here. And um, I, I don't I don't think we could have scripted it more competitive than this. 
No, and, and you know what? I this Monday night game for the for the Titans could have not come at a better time because we're all going to get together next Sunday and watch this, and, and probably some friendships will be ruined or sure. or made yeah. this Sunday because both of us do not really have any Titans responsibilities until Monday this sure. week. So we finally get a week where we can just enjoy some of probably the worst football like this. If you we're going to talk about that, but yeah, this yeah. slate is uh, oh boy. Ooh, Regardless, there, there are more important things, and that is us bashing our heads in uh, this week in fantasy with some of our best buddies, and I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I am too. We're going to be banging hats. It's going to be a good time. Um, all right, that's enough. That's enough vamping about things that you, our precious audience, do not care about. Let's talk about some things you do care about. And let's talk about two guys that were employed by the Titans uh, 72 hours ago, and both are no longer employed by the Titans. The first of which is the most recent, Monty Rice third round linebacker, third year player uh, has been let go as of this afternoon. He's been waived by the Tennessee Titans. He expressed his thoughts on Twitter, signed off in uh pretty, pretty common athlete Twitter ways. In, in my opinion, uh, he he's released right before being released. He, he tweeted out, thank God with a salute emoji. So that's, that makes two Titans defensive players in the last three or so two or so weeks, two to three weeks that have expressed rather um, passive aggressively their thoughts about this team and how happy they are to no longer be with the team. Now, one of those guys changed his tune, deleted his tweets and joined the team back like 10 seconds later. But I don't know if that's going to be the case with Monty Rice, who has had a tough go of it here with the Tennessee Titans. Not a lot of playing time. A guy that coming into the year, a lot of folks are saying this is his chance to become a starter to claim that spot, and that really did not happen. If you look at our buddy Tron Davenport brought this up, I think, on Twitter. Uh, if you look at his snap count the past couple of weeks, they were really trying to get him going in, in the past month or so. He had 17 snaps against Tampa Bay, 29 against the Jaguars, 22 against the Panthers, but then only eight last week against the Colts. That can be perceived as kind of strange that they were trying to get him ramped up and then suddenly they wave him. To me, that kind of reads like they were trying, you know, they are now in full find things out mode, fact finding mission for this team. Like that's where they're at. They need to figure, they need to take as best inventory of their stock as they possibly can, find out who they have and who they don't. And this screams to me like a team that has a third round asset who's in his third year, who, you know, is about a year removed from coming up on needing a new contract trying to figure out and be sure that, I mean, in this case, it sounds like they were trying to make sure they want to get rid of him. Like they're like, we're probably not going to keep this guy around. Let's make sure we don't keep him. Around. Let's give him, let's give him a fair shake. Let's give him a chance. And they gave him, you know, uh, 60, 70, 80 snaps over the past month. And they've decided to part ways. So that that's kind of how that reads to me, JT, that they were just figuring out for sure that they were done with them. They decided, yep, for sure we are done. And that is where they're at. If you look at him as a part of the Titans draft selections at the end of the John Robinson tenure, he is yet another example of just how, I mean, this is, this is the picture that for me was painted by John Robinson that painted him all the way out of the front office. Like this, there's a number of different angles you can look at the John Robinson firing and say, oh, it's because of the AJ Brown trade. It's because of the, the power struggle between him and Vrabel maybe, or, or maybe Miss Amy wanting something new for this team, wanting a new direction. Maybe it was the fact that he wasn't performing well in the draft, and boom, right there. I think you've nailed it on the head with that last one. 
it is not just his performance in the draft, but his performance high in the draft. And when you put it in this context, it's really eye-opening. And this is, I think, if you had to boil down a number one reason why John Robinson was let go last November, it's because of this right here. The Titans, they made 11 picks in the top 100 of the NFL draft between 2020 and 2022. One of those was Monty Rice, who is now joining a large group of those 11 players who are no longer with the Tennessee Titans, and for good reason. Only three of those 11 picks have turned into consistent contributors. They are all defensive backs, and they are not all guys that, despite the fact that they've been consistent contributors, they aren't guys that people love, necessarily. You've got Christian Fulton, everybody's favorite cornerback one, who is destined for uh, no longer being a Tennessee Titan after this year, I think it's fair to say. Elijah Molden, who has been a versatile, sometimes available, sometimes not defensive back, in my opinion, significantly better. I mean, not even really an opinion, just the fact on tape, significantly better in the slot where he's more comfortable. They have been trying partially, I think, out of curiosity, partially out of necessity this season, trying him out at the safety position. And it's been not great, in my opinion. I was just talking to our buddy James Foster about this yesterday. He's just not that fast. He gets beat over the top relatively often. He doesn't do a great job of containing and keeping guys in front of him. It's been underwhelming to me. I think that he's much better served playing in that slot position. He's a solid slot. Other other than that, elsewhere on the field, I think he's more of a depth player. And then you've got Roger McCreary, who's really the only guy in that group where you can say, okay, this guy has proven himself through a year and two thirds, a little bit over a year and a half. He's proven himself to be a quality starter, a, a good pick, somebody you're glad is on this team. Right, it's Christian Fulton, Elijah Mould, and Roger McCreary. Those are the only three out of those eleven picks in the top one hundred that have become significant um, players to this team. Some for good, some for bad. That's that's what happened here, right? Like that that that's the issue. And and uh, I see. I don't even. This is my first time reading this, JT, because I think you included it on the rundown. This from Blake. Tucker on Twitter. He said, I love that John Robinson traded back from 85 to 92. Oh gosh. Missing out on Nico Collins so that he could draft Monty Rice. And then he traded up from 126 to 109 to take Des Fitzpatrick when he could have taken Amon Ross Sam Brown. It was decisions just like, I mean, that right there is a microcosm that tells the whole tale of why John Robinson ultimately rolled the dice and played himself right out of a job. Any thoughts on Monty Rice before we move on to the maybe more interesting firing for the Tennessee Titans? I mean, I, I think it's very well I, I, it, that. And also, I think it's pretty telling that considering the the injuries that are racking up on, on the defensive side of the ball now sure. for the Titans, getting rid of a, a guy like Monty Rice is pretty telling to me that that even Lord knows if, they don't have excess talent at linebacker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it, they do not have the depth right now to be making this cut without them feeling very, very seriously about his future with the team going forward. Um, and I think that speaks volumes that when you have injuries like this and you have um, you have this kind of depth on your team, making a cut like this is a, is a big deal. And so um, clearly John, um, Mike Ravel and Rand Carthen are pretty much done with him. And I think it's pretty interesting to see that, um, with Jaleel Johnson, it's interesting. I think it's also interesting to see now that this is the second time that a, a guy uh, on the defensive side of the ball now has come out on Twitter and, and done something like this. It, it's, it's pretty interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but it's just, it's something to note that 
these guys, they feel very strongly about when they're, when they're cut, they either, they feel like they have done serviceable enough to this team um, that in the front office does not. So it's interesting to me. Green, green thumb in the comments here saying Monty said on Twitter to watch the tape, which missed tackles should green thumb watch first. That kind of sums it up right there. Yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the athlete, right? Any athlete, they're going to be delusionally confident in themselves. They have to be in order to succeed and get to that highest level. And so I don't begrudge them that at all. That that's, you know, that's going to be the case with most guys and some are wise enough not to put it on Twitter and some are. Um, let's talk about Craig Ackerman, who is no longer employed by the Tennessee Titans. We titled our Monday episode. Part of the title was Craig Ackerman needs a new job. He now does, in fact, need a new job, uh, not figuratively, but literally he is out of a job. Mike Vrabel announced on his Monday press conference that they had made the decision. He had made the decision for Craig Ackerman to no longer be part of the team, said that it was for the best for the team, for the best for the players. And a change was needed. Thanked Craig Ackerman for all of the things that he did in his time here, and then bid him a fond farewell. Um, but we can start with the fact that I, I got a lot of flack, and right, like people get made fun of me for good reason. Uh, I, I tweeted like 40 minutes before the Titans made that announcement that I really did not think that Vrabel was going to do it. I really thought that it was going to be an offseason move, and I pointed out how Mike Vrabel had never in his history as a head coach fired one of his coaches midseason, even when they had, you know, DUIs and spent nights in jail. Like he had stuck with guys through to the spring and then made changes then. And that was the reason behind the educated guests that, and it's funny to make fun of, like I'm all for making fun of me for that because it's objectively hilarious timing. So I don't begrudge anybody that poked fun of me for that. I poked fun of me for that. Um, but in all seriousness, like I don't think anybody really, I mean, we have to give credit to Jared Stillman, again, our favorite person in the world. He did, in fact, say on Sunday that he expected Craig Ackerman, Craig Ackerman to be unemployed by the time he did his radio show on Monday afternoon. So good on Jared. Jared's been very vocal, maybe the most vocal in the media market about Craig Ackerman needing to go, although that's been a very popular and shared sentiment amongst most everybody in the market um, because it's pretty obvious. Like he's not any good at his job. We said on Monday, you could give him a thousand special teams aces and it wasn't going to matter. He was going to do less with more. And so when you got a coach like that, who's consistently doing it year over year, it's time to make a change. And the breaking point obviously was unfortunately the breaking of the star punter on this Tennessee Titans football team. It's pretty clear to me that Mike Vrabel held Craig Ackerman responsible for that. As it sounds like he should getting such a valuable punter, hurt and done for the year and needing surgery. And then, you know, putting his really putting his athleticism in question as a, as a serious injury like that is going to do going forward. You never know if a guy's going to come back all the way from that, hope, hoping for the best. And it sounds like things are going to be all right after the surgery, but you never know that kind of thing I think was a bridge too far for Vrabel was unacceptable. And he made the decision for the first time ever to fire Ackerman mid season. Um, You know, I I'm, I'm glad that I was wrong. I'm glad that they did it. I'm not glad that somebody is out of their job, but he gets paid a lot of money. He's going to be fine. He'll go find another job elsewhere. Like I said on Monday, I'm not in the calling for people to be unemployed business. I'm in the calling for people to have a different job business. And I think that he needed a different job. And now he's going to go find a different job that hopefully does not impact the Tennessee Titans. And that is good news. Um, the Titans have appointed a, an interim special teams coordinator who 
this is bad on my part. I did not write down his name and I've already forgotten. It's Tim Shaw, isn't it? That's who it is. It's Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw is filling in at um, special teams coordinator for the rest of the season. And then I'm assuming Mike Vrabel is probably going to go and make another hire in the offseason, but perhaps Tim gets to stick with that job. We'll have to see. Green Thumb asks, and this is where I want to take this conversation. So since this seems to be a talking point, Green Thumb says, who fired Ackerman, Vrabel or Amy? And I'll add on to this because I had said I had some people asking me this or claiming this on social media or Rand Carthen. Like which of the trinity of Titans leadership made this decision? It, uh, it There's plenty of places in the natural media market if you want people that lean into conspiracies, that lean into wondering what if and trying to find the zebras amongst the hoofbeats when you should probably be looking for the horses. We, we, I, I'm, a, I'm somebody that's inclined to look for the horses. And that's, I think, what people value about my analysis, value about this show. That's what I'm here to tell you. Like, it, Mike Vrabel made this decision. Um, was there input from, from Amy or Rand? I'm sure they talked about it. That, that's the kind of decision you talk about with the other executives in the room. Maybe one or both of those people nudged him to make that decision now instead of later. But no, People are wondering if Rand, I had people ask me verbatim, did Rand Carthon fire Craig Ackerman? He doesn't have that authority. He doesn't have that, like he doesn't have the ability to do that. It's Mike Vrabel's coaching staff. Mike Vrabel is the one who made the decision to fire him. Was there input from the other people? Maybe, probably, I don't know. Who cares? The point is, unless Mike Vrabel wanted to do it, it wasn't going to happen and he wanted to do it. And so he did it. Craig Ackerman's no longer in the position. That's good news for Tennessee Titans fans, and they should be happy about that, right, JT? Yeah, I, I think so. And to your point, like it, when when it comes to these decisions, I'm sure all of them uh, knew about it because just a shout out because it was a fantastical fantastic article that you told me to go read today. Teron Davenport's article on the whole Vrabel versus Carthen situation. It seems like Amy Adam Strunk is being a <laughs> as as Wyatt puts in here collaborating. Um, it, it seems that. Uh, Miss Amy is in on or aware of everything, even down to some of the minute details of who is going flying with the team this week, who is not. You should really go check out that article that our Good friend yeah. uh, Teron Davenport did today. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, both of them probably were aware. But like you said, it, it is his coaching staff. Rand Carthen does not appoint the coaching staff. That is the job of the head coach, Mike Vrabel. It is his staff. So, yeah, like you were saying, he's the one who did it. And it's time, you know. I think this was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back because we have not seen uh, really this year a, a game or uh, seen seen a game in the past uh, couple of years where, at least in this losing streak, where Craig Ackerman was the direct reason and his his squad was the direct reason as to why this team lost a game like they did uh, against the Colts on uh, Sunday and they lose arguably maybe their best player just if you look at it on paper and the stats like their best player right now for better or for worse was Ryan Stonehouse and you get him sidelined for the rest of the season this is the first time that in recent memory that Craig Ackerman um, was the direct reason as to why the Titans lost this game he's been part of the reason why they've lost games and Rabel has been able to cover for him and said well they just got to go do their jobs we made other mistakes but th it, it was his um, it was his, it was the reason why he, he lost the game for them. And so I think that's yeah, he, a big he reason why he fired. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really don't have anything else to say on that. I mean, uh, good riddance feels harsh, but 
it, it had been years of this. So I'm glad the Titans are moving on. Let's let's move on here on the show and talk about Will Levis. Before we do that, just a reminder, Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House are wonderful and amazing sponsor here on the Hot Read Podcast. Check them out wherever you are nearest to one of their three locations in Middle Tennessee, East Nashville, Murfreesboro, or Spring Hill. Great stuff, great pizza, great drinks. Uh, we love Boombas. We also love when you subscribe to us on YouTube. So go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, Broadway Sports Media. Hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get that number up, 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 and it's very helpful to us. It's free to you, so help us out. Hit the subscribe button. Appreciate that, guys. Okay, let's talk about Will Levis. And um, before I say anything about him, I want an honest check-in with live viewers. This is where you are live studio audience. I'd like for your participation. Help me out here. Don't leave me hanging. Um, if you're on YouTube, I know I can see that there are a, a hand, at least a dozen of you on YouTube right now. So help us out in the comments right now. I would like you to give me on a scale of one to 10. Just, just send the number scale of one to 10, 10 being certain and one being I have, I really don't think so. Um, how confident you are in Will Levis after this year. And by that, I mean, how content are you going to be? Imagine we are now at the end of the year. We've seen what we've seen from Will Levis and what you've seen so far is all you have to go based off of. How pleased are you? How content are you for this Titans team to spend their $100 million this offseason and their draft picks to build around him? Also assuming they are high enough in the draft order this year that if they wanted to trade up and go all broke for a quarterback, they technically could. How confident are you to go with Will Levis going forward. Again, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being extremely confident. I'm curious where folks are at right now, Will Levis. So just send your number, and we'll talk about that as they start to pour in. JT, what would your number be on that, based on what we've seen right now, moving forward with Will Levis? Yeah, it's a it's a tough... I think it, it's also a fair question, as Roshan brings up, how confident and how content are two very different questions. I think... <laughs> um, for at least confident wise that that he is the starter next Maybe year. I should phrase it this way. How confident are you that they should be like how how confident are you that moving forward with Will Levis would be the correct decision? Does that make sense? Like yeah, how confident I, are you that the team would be making the right choice to move forward with Will Levis? I'd put that I'd put it at eight and a half for me. I, I've really I mean I was gonna you, say eight or you, nine. You've, yep. You've seen basically kind of the 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 better side of a rookie quarterback right now um you've seen the ups and downs but you've seen the flashes every single game and it's not like he is making wrong decisions every single game and those wrong decisions are kind of piling up on each other i i think that um every game he does make mistakes um some of them he's gotten away with actually a lot of them he's gotten away with the amount of dropped interceptions and like another one this past weekend where he goes and picks up his own interception fumble. Follow um, that, that rebound, that. baby. Follow um, that shot. But I, I think I've seen enough out of him as a rookie right now to, to say that this is a guy and why it brings up an interesting point here where he says, can't say more without a better O-line or receiving core. I think with sure. some better weapons, I think we'd see more. And I feel that's where I'm at right now and how comfortable I am with him moving forward. I agree. So you, you say eight or nine. I say eight or nine. Uh, D good saying 6.9. Nice. Evan saying seven. Uh, Roshan six or seven. Wyatt eight. Deagle eight. Uh, Roshan. Oh, Roshan clarifying saying he's in confident that they should give him a shot. Nine. He thinks that's the right idea. So I think we're on the same page there. Yeah, that's that's I think where most people are. And I was just curious to see where the folks were in the comment section. Um, I, I want to talk about this because we were watching. Uh, on Sunday night football, not not Monday night, but Sunday night, we saw Chiefs Packers very good game. 
another win in the in our uh, best bet gall best bet gauntlet column. But beyond that, we saw two quarterbacks, the current goat active in the league and Patrick Mahomes, as well as an up and coming kind of enigma of a quarterback who has been sitting behind the scenes for this is his third season in the NFL. Now, Jordan Love uh, in Green Bay, he, I, I believe this is his third year, first year starting. I think it's even longer. I think this was his I think this was his fourth year because they signed him to a new contract this year, a one year prove it deal. Okay, this is he, what they you can fact check me on that. It's either three or four. It's been at least three. We, we can agree on that. Um, yes. I, I may be wrong on that, but the point is it's been a while. He's now starting for the first time. And it's been an interesting, it, 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 I don't know if folks have paid enough attention to him and the Packers this year, but but it's been an interesting situation where things started kind of rusty. They have one of the young, I mean, every player on their offense is basically 25 years or younger, extremely, extremely young, fresh players um, who have a lot of learning to do. To make and a you lot were of right. Yeah, you were right. He, okay. it, I don't know why I felt like Jordan Love like here. I mean, it feels like, it feels like it's forever. Yeah, um, but yeah, he was drafted as the 26th overall pick in that uh, COVID year 2020 draft. So, so he's he's a guy that I find interesting because if you were to judge him based off of his first five starts this season on a team that I think you cannot argue is any worse than the Titans. In fact, I'd say that they're ta- talent wise on, on, you know, on paper, a good deal better than the Titans have a good deal fewer holes than the Titans. If you judge him on his first five starts, you would probably say this guy's a low level starter, high end backup. He's not really going to give you that X factor. You don't see a lot of, you, you see some sparks some little flashes here and there but the consistency is really bad and the downsides the 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 um the the things that are lacking in his game they stand out more and and, and those things are are overwhelming in your evaluation of him like that's kind of where you'd be but then if you judged him on his most recent 5 games where he's been really really sneaky good i mean he's been fantastic in his past 5 or 6 NFL football games it's a totally different story, right? And, and so I just, I think that's interesting perspective for Titans fans with Paul Levis, who is younger, has less experience on an NFL roster, like Jordan Love, first year starting, but he's, you know, been practicing behind the scenes with NFL talent for years now. Will Levis has not. And in his first five starts, it's been a lot of the same, right? It's been flashing sparks here or there. I would say that his first five games, all in all, actually a good deal better than what Jordan Love had in terms of the amount of flashes he showed, the amount of high-level traits that he has demonstrated, the growth already that we've seen from him is very similar to Jordan Love, in my opinion. How he started out really hot, struggled for a couple games against, like you know, the Pittsburgh game on Thursday night and the Jacksonville and Tampa Bay game. Like those three games following his massive Atlanta Falcons debut, they were a real comeback down to earth situation. But then in the past two games. Okay, so actually, I guess he's played six games. I, I said five earlier in the in the uh, episode. It's been six games. Um, in the last two against Carolina and then this past week against the Colts, he's shown me real growth. He's shown me real um, development from a, from a number of standpoints. The first thing that stands out to me is if you look at his first game and second game as compared to his last two games, his reliance on 50-50 balls to D-hop, his reliance on the play-action deep shot, trying to push the ball down the field all or nothing like that's gone down. He's been much more intentional on tape from what I've seen at getting the ball underneath, getting the ball to the correct read, getting it to the correct place on time, throwing outside the numbers, throwing across the middle, throwing to a variety of different receivers. Now he's throwing an outsized number of balls to D I'm not trying to contradict what he said on the, uh, on the recap show this week where I was 
laughing about how DeAndre Hopkins is basically their only receiver. He is, but he's finding a way to get to the ball, get the ball to guys that aren't receivers, right? He's getting the ball to Chick. He's getting the ball to Josh Wiley. He's getting the ball to Derrick Henry and Ty J Spears. He's getting the ball to Chris Moore and NWI even like he he's trying to distribute the ball as best he can. You force the ball to D hop because he's clearly the best. You, you should, you should force the ball to him. But in general, he's done a good job of taking what's there finding the right windows, throwing different arm angles. Like I could go on and on about the different things that he he's done a better job in my opinion, in the past two games of protecting the football, not throwing as many of those passes where they hit the defender in the hands and they easily could have been intercepted. All of those things are working in his favor. And I think that that is exactly what you want to see from a guy that as somebody in the comments a moment ago pointed out the, the offensive line and weapons situation that he is surrounded by. It, it is borderline. Um, like it's borderline requires a, an NA, like an N slash a, like I, like TBD. We can't, we can't make an evaluation on this guy. You know, like we talk about with, with, with Bryce young, where it's like, it's, it's difficult, man. It's difficult to make an evaluation on the guy. We need to like, can we just wait until he gets some actual players around him? Can we wait until he's in an actual fair situation to him? Brable's not got Levis in that situation exactly, but it's real close. And on certain games, it sure feels that way. And so I think that he's exactly where you want him to be. I think that the next, um, the next five games that they play are very important to you know, continuing his evaluation, but through five games, I've been very pleased JT. Do you agree or disagree to the people in the comments agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I think let's look at the comments here. We have a couple of them that, that um, are, are, are chiming in as well. Um, Let's see. Let's do. Uh, let's go with Charlie first. He says five, dude. Uh, he, he's got to get better with reading defenses, and he's got to be more accurate. He says that he's seeing a lot more from like a Brock Purdy or a CJ Stroud. I, I, I push back on that one a little bit more, as I would say that um, for for me, it's like not every quarterback is going to look like Brock Purdy and, and CJ Stroud did. Right? It, it's a lot of. Like Charlie, are, are you aware of the roster that Brock Purdy plays on? <laughs> do you want to see what Will Levis can do on that roster? Because I, I would bet a, a irresponsible amount of money that you put Will Levis on that roster and he looks not only dramatically better than he's looked with Tennessee, but I'd argue give him enough, give him as much time as as Brock Purdy has, and give him Kyle Shanahan to lead him along. He's doing just as well as Brock Purdy, and absolutely the ceiling is much higher. So, I, yeah, I completely disagree with that. Um. And then Deagle also saying need to give him an honest shot. Seems like he has the right attitude, film study, and all that. And I I would agree. Like that is some growth. The that intangibles we're seeing. are all there. Yep. Um, yep. He he is a guy that wants to get better every single week. He knows uh where his downfalls are and his pitfalls, and he's working to get those uh fixed. And I kind of agree with him here as well that he has this attitude that you haven't seen before with last year's Malik Willis. He's a guy that wants to get better and wants to improve every single week, week in and week out. So I would say, I think Will, Will Levis is on the right track. No, I completely agree. Um, what, so I'm, I, I take it you share in that opinion, right? That's kind of where you're at as yes. well. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm just making sure we got through all the comments here. Don't want to leave anybody hanging here on the hot read podcast. Uh, yeah. So I, that's kind of, that. that's my five cents on, on him. Um, five cents. That's my two cents. I guess I gave you two and a half times the, the typically recommended cents. Uh, regardless, we can move on here to the draft order and unless anybody else has any thoughts on, on Levis and we can circle back if folks want to throw those in the comments, let's talk about the draft order before we get to the news and get out of here on a, on a lighter Tuesday. 
the draft order as constituted currently, and I have a bit of a, an update on something that folks were kind of confused by earlier in the week. A, a very popular site, third-party site used to determine the current draft order is Tankathon. I use it all the time. A lot of, a lot of folks are constantly pointing to that um, as, as their proof of where a team is. The, the NFL's own research department put out their current order this week, and it didn't align with what Tankathon had, and it had a lot of folks confused. Coming out of Sunday, Titans fans were under the impression that the Titans had pick number eight. Then the NFL research department came out and said that the Titans are currently at seventh. Folks were arguing with me like, well, Tankathon said, and my point was, I'm going to trust the NFL's own research department to just like the, the, the entity that decides the draft order. When they tell me what the draft order is, I'm going to, I'm going to default to believing them. Nobody's wrong here from what I understand, from what, from what I dug up on this Tankathon is, is calculating strength of schedule for tiebreakers for games that have already been played as well as projecting games that are yet to be played with this NFL research list where the Titans are one spot up in the seventh position, not at eight. This is just current strength of schedule. So, so Tankathon is projecting ahead. NFL is what currently technically is. So that's the difference. It really doesn't matter. Seven, eight, they're in the seven, eight ballpark. Okay. Can we just agree on that? But regardless, the teams that the Titans are with and in front of um, are the bears, obviously with Carolina's first overall pick at one and 11, getting that, that Carolina pick. So it's really Carolina's one and 11 record. The Pats at two and 10, the Cardinals at three and 10, the commanders at four and nine, the bears at four and eight, the giants at four and eight, the Titans at four and eight and the jets at four and eight. So they're tied with the bears, giants and jets at four and eight. The commanders also at four wins. And then the Cardinals at three Pats at two bears at one. Um, I want to talk about the rest of this Titans season and kind of just our best guess as to where they may finish up. I am still not convinced that they're going to lose out. If they do lose out, I think there's a not unreasonable chance at all that finishing what's if they lose out, they'd be four and uh, four and 13. That's not unreasonable to think at four and 13, you can get a, certainly a top five pick, maybe as, as high as three. I'd be shocked if they got as high as one or two, because that would require the Patriots to win two or three more games, the the Panthers to win three or four more games. That seems, and for the Titans as well, to not win any more games. That seems unlikely. But, um, you know, besides the Bears and the Patriots and the Cardinals, those are the only three teams that have less wins than the Titans. Everybody else has four more in the entire league. And when you look at the situation this Titans team is, as, as well as the upcoming schedule for them, the first thing to me that kind of changed the math for me coming out of Sunday was the injuries, right? You lose. It sounds like Jeffrey Simmons is going to be out for a couple weeks. That's no good, right? Uh, Derek Henry, we don't know his status this week. At first, it seemed like they may be missing him on, on Monday night against Miami. May not have mattered going against a much better team like Miami. Um, but it now seems like maybe they're going to have him back. I don't know, but he's a little bit banged up, right? You got a handful of guys. I have an, I have a, this is not reporting. This is me. This is, I feel this. I'm guessing this. I have a feeling based on what I've seen that there are some guys up front. And again, everybody at the NFL level is hurt at this time of year, but I have a feeling based on what I've seen that some guys on the defensive front are pretty banged up. I think tier tart is playing through a, a decent injury or injuries. Um, uh, there, there are a handful of guys, Danico Autry who looks a little bit rattled at times when I see him walk around the locker room. Like that's me guessing I could be wrong. The point is this, this team's kind of banged up physically. You wonder morale wise, how long it will be until they're banged up, uh, confidence 
wise, if they play like they played against Indy last week, the rest of the year, they're going to like, they're going to win a game somewhere because they played way too feisty. They played way too. It's weird to say well, because they lost, but they played well enough to be very competitive in a competitive ball game and well enough to win depending on different circumstances. So, you know, we pointed out on Monday's show about how they were, they had more yards. They had a better third down conversion rate. They had a better red zone conversion rate. They like all of these metrics, they were the better team. So that's going to equate to some wins. If you do that enough times, all that said, you look at the reigning schedule, five more games at Miami this Monday. And I don't think anybody expects them to win that game that we'll talk about that more on our Thursday show. Um, then they play Houston at home, Seattle at home at Houston, and then at home against Jacksonville. So, uh, three games against divisional teams twice with Houston, once against Jacksonville, and then their non-division remaining, uh, opponents are at Miami and then at home against Seattle, both teams with winning records or actually Seattle, Seattle might be 500, but 500 or better. All of these remaining teams are not crazy to think that these guys, uh, this Titans team wins. I don't know. I'd be floored if they won more than two of these games. I would guess I'd like, I'd put the over under at one and a half. I'd say they win one. Maybe yeah. they get lucky and win two. I I'd be surprised if they lost zero. I'd be, or I'd be surprised if they won zero. I'd be surprised if they lost or pause. Let's start over. I'd be surprised if they won zero. I'd be surprised if they won three. I think one or two wins left is a reasonable exploit expectation for this team, especially when, as we talked about on the show last week, playing spoilers so fun at the end of the year. And they've got three games against two teams that are in a hotly contested AFC South playoff race, Houston and Jacksonville. They would love to ruin both of those teams chances and, and do as best they can to frustrate them and keep them out of the playoffs or make them a wild card instead of a division winner. They're going to try their best to do that. And I have a feeling they're going to get one of those teams. But if they do that, kind of looking at the rest of the teams on this draft order list for the Titans and the games left on their schedule to try to figure out, okay, the Titans tied at four wins with a lot of these teams outside of the very worst three. If they're trying to get to fourth, you know, try, they're battling these four win teams to be the worst four win team. What's got to happen. There's going to have to be some teams that win some games when the Titans lose. So we, we've established the Titans have some losable games looking at the rest of those teams and what winnable games they have left on their schedule, Arizona, they play Chicago. One of those teams has to lose, right? They're both, they're both down there. Um, somebody has to lose that game or somebody has to win that game. Rather Washington, Washington plays the jets. That's a winnable game. Uh, the jets play new England. <laughs> that's a winnable game. The giants play new Orleans. That's proving to be a pretty winnable game right now. And then Chicago plays the uh, Falcons who are, eminently beatable at the moment. So those are all situations where teams that are at or lower than the Titans in the win column, Arizona, Washington, the jets, the giants and the bears can all find a way to win and bump the Titans as a result of the draft order. And that's very good news. Okay. I'm done rambling JT. What are your thoughts on this Titans team, how they're going to finish and where they're at in the draft order? Yeah, I think I'm with you on, on the win total. I actually, I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest, if they didn't win another game. I think that's a little I wouldn't different. be shocked. I'd be a little surprised, but I, I'd be way less shocked by that than if they won three of their last five. Three yes, that, that's yeah. fair. I think I think the two that you can directly look at that would be uh, the most winnable, first of all, the, the Seattle game, uh, kind of a reeling Seattle team right now who is not playing their best ball. Very gettable um, defense. Yep. Yeah, playing them at home on Christmas Eve could be uh, a win there. And then also the week before that playing a Houston team at home, uh, that is seems Houston will be going to new the, the jets this week will be playing that tough uh, 
Jets defense and then having to come into Nissan Stadium. The Titans will be wearing the throwbacks once again, if you believe that the throwback voodoo Mm, that there is. It's a good point. I forgot about Um, this. Yep. So those could be two, but outside Miami, (laughs) it would be it would be a miracle for them to win that game playing at Houston and then Jacksonville. You never know. I mean, could they win three games? And we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence in a little bit. Could Trevor Lawrence be out for some extended time here to end the season? Maybe. Um, so Jacksonville, that could be win. So I think one and a half is a nice spot right there for them. Um, I don't, like you said, I'd be shocked if they win three or more games to finish out the season. And then for their draft pick. Yeah, there there's, I think they're firmly planted in the top 10, which is super exciting considering the, the high end prospects that are coming out this season. But yeah, there's a lot of teams having to play each other that are really bad going forward for the rest of the season. And a lot of these teams are already tied for four wins with the Titans. So could, could move up in close to the top five and could be looking at one of those top five tackles or maybe uh, Marvin Harrison falls or something like that. Yeah. And everything you said there is valid to play the optimist for a minute. The reason why I think two wins is not out of the question is because outside of that Miami game this week, which I don't think any of us are expecting them to win. We just want to see, you know, show us what you got kind of thing. And if they win, it will be the most microbial win of all time. And it will be just like classic, of course. Um, but I don't think anybody's going to see it coming. The The last four games of the year, like they play Houston twice. It's it's just in general, no matter how bad you are, it happens. But it is provably difficult, provably difficult to beat a division opponent twice in the same year. And then Jacksonville, you know, they've already beat the Titans once again, they, they play them again at, at Titans place this time. That's also a situation where it's difficult to beat a team twice in the same year. It's also a situation where you look at that Jacksonville team who their quarterbacks now banged up. sounds like it's good news for them in general, which is, which is good. Uh, but that's also a Jacksonville team that with Trevor Lawrence for the vast majority of that game last night, lost in a shootout to Jake Browning and the, and the Bengals, a team that the Titans also at home murdered earlier this year with their starting quarterback, a hobbled version of their starting quarterback, but is a hobbled burrow dramatically worse than a healthy Jake Browning. You know, like that, that's the, the, that's the kind of comparison you can do and say this Jacksonville team at their best, they are very good and they are much better than the Titans, but they clearly are gettable. Um, and, and so I think that the Titans are going to play them tight like they always do. And so those four final games, I think you could make an argument for any of those four games, the Titans finding a way to win one or two of those. All right, that's all I have uh, today for some Titans topics. Let's get to the news with producer JT. Let's get out of here. JT, what have we got in the news today? Yeah, let's talk about two of the Titans defensive players here, starting with Harold Landry, who has quietly in the past six weeks kind of return to a little bit of the Harold Landry form that we all know and love since the Titans returned from their week seven by Harold Landry has produced multiple pressures each week and is tied for 22nd among edge rushers in total pressures at 20. That's the same total as my miles Garrett over the last six weeks. So Harold Landry is slowly, but surely coming back to that player that we all thought he could get back to. Yeah. I mean, JT, I'm old enough to remember you and I on this show, telling folks earlier in the season, folks who were very confident after two or three games in their take that Harold Landry was a mistake to pay, a waste of cap space, a bum. They were ready to give up on him. And we had to tell people, yeah, he's coming back from an ACL, guys. Like, you got to remember, that's a significant injury. 
Different guys have different return times, and there may be no position on the field more difficult to return from an ACL uh, to than an edge rusher position where you have to have a lot of bend, a lot of torsion, a lot of torque on that knee and on that ligament. That kind of thing is going to take some time. He's also just rusty. He's not played football in a full calendar year. Let's give him a couple games. And here we are. He had a couple games that were really rough the first month or two of the season. And now he's starting to really round into form back to what we expect from Harold Landry. I really don't think he's even at 100% yet. I think he's just going to continue to finish stronger and stronger and probably come back next year being compensated very highly and look more like the guy that's deserving of that bag. So the once again, the lesson, as is very common from us in this space, man, Sports fans could really use to they they could they could stand to have a little bit more patience just in general. Patience is difficult, but it is a virtue. And in sports, it's so easy to want, want, want. Give like what have you done late for me lately? It's now or never. I, I don't consider I blinders. I don't consider the rest of your career. It, what have you done for me now? Um, a little bit more patience, I think, would go a long way with a lot of folks. So this is another example of why you should be a little patient with guys, especially coming back from I don't know major injuries. Yeah, now let's talk about Jeffrey Simmons, who he will be missing some time, but some good news for him is he was nominated as the Titans, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Titans, obviously uh, does a lot of good on the field and off the field, so very deserving yeah, of him, um, and we'll have to see if he's in the running later this year. Yeah, he does. I've got I've got some of my best friends went to Mississippi State, and so they are entrenched in that culture and in that community down there. Um, or, or were and and the amount of work that Simmons does not just for the Nashville community he does a lot of work for the Nashville community he's a, he's a very giving guy he's a good I mean he's just a good guy there's a reason we love talking to him in the locker room the media pool are really fond of him I'm gonna guess he probably wins our media man of the year award which was the essentially Kevin Byard uh, award until he's no longer here Jeff has been fantastic to us and he's fantastic to everybody. He's just a good guy. He's a gentle giant, really. And the amount of work he does in this community, but really back home, a, 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 you could argue a much more needy community in some of those poor communities down there in Mississippi near in and around Starkville. Um, he does a lot of work, a lot of you know youth camps, a lot of food drives, toy drives, clothes drives. Um, charitable, charitable work. It's just, it's, I'm constantly seeing it from folks in and around that community, the things that he's doing some very publicly, some very not publicly. He's a giving guy and he's absolutely deserving of this award. So well done. Yeah. And let's move over to some AFC South broader news. And we're going to go with the Jaguars who uh, have caught a couple of tough breaks now with their loss last night to the Jake Browning led Bengals. They also mm. lost Trevor Lawrence who coach Doug Peterson said today that Lawrence has just in quotation marks, just a high ankle sprain with all other tests coming back clean. Peterson won't put a timetable on Lawrence's recovery, but didn't rule him out for this week. And it is not season ending tough news right now for, for the Jags, but as they still are one game up on the Texans for the lead in the AFC South, it's good to hear that he is uh, not season ending for them. Yeah, that's it's very good news. It, man, it's a tough year to be a quarterback. It is a brutal year to be a quarterback. And as you were alluding to earlier in the show, some of the quarterback matchups we have to face this week, where I talked about we're getting uh, Mitch Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi coming up on Thursday Night Football, which Gross. should be just a delight. Uh, some, I'm trying to find it here. Some other quarterback matchups that we're going to have to face. Oh, man, I can't find it. I'll have to, I'll have to find it when you're talking in a minute. There's, there's a couple of brutal quarterback matchups that we have on this Sunday slate um, that really should be illegal, but 
where where is this list? I have it right here. So you we have Bailey okay. Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky on Thursday hmm. night. Gross. Uh most likely, unless Trevor Lawrence does come back, C.J. Beathard next week versus J- the the reincarnated elite quarterback Joe Flacco for the Browns. Mm, Gross. Delicious. Gardner Minshew next week for the Colts playing right. Jake Browning for the Bengals. Gross. Great. Baker Mayfield versus Desmond Ritter, which those are the starting mm, quarterbacks. They're not even backups, still, but they should be. Uh, not, oh, not, they not should a be. Favorite. Um, and then Josh Dobbs, maybe? Does he keep that starting job this week versus Aiden Ooh. O'Connell? Uh, mm. That's going to be an interesting one. And then mm. Bryce Young versus Jameis Winston, most likely, as Derek Carr mm. deals with that concussion. Not fun. the most fun matchups this week. How about a little Jordan Love versus Tommy DeVito? We like Love, but Tommy DeVito. Baby. Oh, I love Tommy DeVito. Tom, well, Tommy yeah, DeVito. As a is... person, yes. Um, as a player, he makes my eyes bleed. Sorry, that's, Tommy. Okay, that's um, fair. But yeah, that's the situation there. So tough year to be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, it, I hope it's not indicative of anything besides just a fluky bad year, honestly, because it's been it's been it's been heartbreaking to see good quarterbacks go down and then having to watch terrible football on Sundays. Um, and that is not the only injury for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they continue to to keep this league but lead in the AFC South but maybe it's not for long as well, uh, here's the full list of the Jaguar injuries for um for the, was this for just the last night this yeah this was well this is who what they'll be dealing with going forward here um, but these were injuries that happened yes in the last night's game okay, okay yes um Trevor Lawrence he's dealing with that high ankle sprain and he'll right. be monitored this week Christian Kirk uh, went down with a groin injury and was ruled out early in that game he will miss some time with a core muscle injury that may need surgery he's getting it sounds uh, like he's going to be done for the year yeah, yeah he might be done for the year or at least the rest of the regular season Tyson Campbell is day-to-day with a right quad strain Walker Little has a left hamstring strain and he will be monitored Trey Herndon is in cushion, concussion protocol, um, and, and Andre Cisco will be fine after he hurt his shoulder. So, did you intentionally skip over Foley Fadakasi? Yes, because I didn't know how to say you his know, name. But I, I, I'm looking at it here on the rundown. I'm like, he doesn't know how to say it, does he? No, Foley I don't. Fadikasi, uh, but he's dealing with a left heel contusion day to day. So this team is banged up, and it's going to be a tight race down down the uh, down the back. I was never letting you get away with that. I was never yeah. letting you get away with that. Uh, D Good wants the most important update. How about that sideline attendant in the Saints game who True. tore his knee yes. or broke his leg or whatever? Um, we ha- we don't we have an update on that, but we're, we'll get down to the bottom of it. Don't you worry. Um, all right, is that it for the news today? That's going to finish our news for today. All right, thank you. That is producer JT with the news, and that is our show. Just a, a real nice, gentle, easy one for you today. Not a lot of deep, hard hitting topics. Not a lot to talk about midweek this week for the Titans, but we'll have plenty to talk about as we preview what should be a fantastic Monday night football game between the Titans and the Dolphins next week. I forgot that it's a double header. It's so funny that every time the Titans play on Monday night, the NFL is always like, we well, don't have to watch the Titans if you don't want to. Here's another game just in case it's happened a couple of times. Um, so that that's uh, that's the situation the Titans are in. It's two lopsided matchups. I believe it's Giants Packers is the other matchup on Monday night alongside Titans Dolphins. Both are uh, it's like you'd like to switch. Can we put the two good teams in those two against each other? Then the two bad. Can we have an A A league B league situation would be better, I think, for that. Um, but we'll be talking all about the Titans, what they could possibly do to keep things competitive against the Dolphins on Thursday, live from Boomba's in Spring Hill, five thirty Central Standard Time. Come hang out with us. Come get a drink on Boomba's on us. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you're subscribed. Probably Sports Media's YouTube page. It's free. It's very helpful to us. Try to get that number up. Please, please, please go and subscribe to YouTube. My money's begging. It would be a personal favor. 
appreciate you guys doing that. And then make sure you are following um, the the Hot Read Podcast on TikTok, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's at Hot Read Pod on all platforms. Great content going up practically every single day there, and it's a great place to find updates on the show. All right, until Thursday, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you then.